You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is a special Tshuva Supoiskim, Chayoyim Nota, in anticipation of the Shloishim, which will be this Sunday night, for Harav Agoyin, Zeichel Tzadik Ekodesh Levrocha, Rav Nota Tzvi Greenblatt. We have speed him persons who will uh, speak uh, in their Kesher to Rav Nota in terms of, of course, his, his, his Derech, his Anhoga, his Torah, um, we have a, a, a very important lineup. I'm, I want to get out of their way. I just wanted to say one little yesoy that happened to be that when I came to Rav Nota Zolvaya, um, uh, a, a, a month ago, uh, I, Baruch Hashem had this fuss, uh, to learn in Mesif Tetveris Yushalayim for a few hours before the Levaya. And it was a testament to Rav Nota that they had a normal morning Seder. And people were learning and being mafalpo and learning and it was, uh, it was a give out. And then it turned into a mokum of, 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 of Hespit and Arocha. But I happened to bring a safer with me when I was there. And I happened to come across this shtickle as I was uh, waiting for the Hespit to begin. And this is from the Nitziv Sakdoma, from his magnum opus, his magnificent work, uh, the Shiltister of Achoygoyim, the Sakdoma Kadmas Aimek. He explains the difference between Chachme Eretz Yisrael and Chachme Bovel. And when I was looking at this piece, I realized that it was a shtickle, a, a uh, opening into understanding Rav Nota in one some way. Many people have marveled, and I don't think they have a true answer as to how Rav Nota was able, with mostly without chavrusas, living in Memphis, to be able to vox the great Goyen he was. As great as he was when he came to Memphis, he increased and developed. And I know the Rabbanim and Hever in Memphis. I know the, de- the great distance between the two of them. So I found this little piece. I just want to in- introduce it to you. The Nitzib talks about the difference between the Bnei Bov and Bnei Eretz Yisrael. And he mentions here, you can see here on the they're always different. It says, the Ikash Kedos and Likvoya Halocha Psuka. The Bneir Tisro didn't need Chavrusas, the Nitziv says, the way Chachme Bovel did. By themselves, they were able to learn mostly on their own, and with their incredible Asmoda, then they were able to, to Shtel Sachtu to that. Why? Because with a little bit of Pilpul they had, they can connect to it. Because it was clear to them, the Halochas of the Mishnayas, the Halochas that they knew, they were able to apply themselves, that kayach, to be able to be understand and paskin and be machria on new things. The Bnei Bovel needed the yeshiva. They needed chavrusas. They needed to be able to speak one to the other. <laughs> and of course, when you have chavrusas, it doesn't always match. People don't always think the same way. Sometimes you can have someone who is able, wow, from the argument was able to come out with the beautiful water. But sometimes you just stand at the trough and you don't get the water. And the other tzad has to say, I was wrong. Because the truth, the emes is the best. And that's what we are working for. 
and you want to have psokin. So therefore, in, in Bavel, you have many times, everyone needed each other as a Rebbe, as a Moira, as the Gemara says in Bavel Mitzia, they stood up for each other. But it seems to me that Rav Nata, he had the Segula of Eretz Yisrael. He was able to mostly and even though he had wonderful Chavrusas and Talmidim, but they never really shtayed to the level to be a Chavrusa Mamish. He had that Koyach of B'nai Eretz Yisrael. And I think the answer is, is sort of contained really in, in the fact, in the letter that Rav Moshe wrote for him, the Hamlotza, where Rav Moshe said that he's going to Eretz Yisrael. Rav Moshe mentioned the Gemara in, in Ksuvis, that Chad Minon Minai, which the Mitziv mentions here too as well in the next paragraph. I saw, I was Zoha to see that letter, that Ksav Amlotza, that Rav Nota never showed anyone, but they discovered. And in that letter, it said, like Rav Moshe said, that when he came to Eretz Yisrael, armed with what he already had from Bovel, he became like Trey Minayu. And even though he returned to America and to Memphis, he still had, I believe, that Koyach. That Koyach that the Mitziv explains is the Koyach of a Chocham of Eretz Yisrael to be, to be, to shtayg mamish b'fei So I just wanted to share that, which I think is mamish dvarim. Shalom, we have the distinct COVID uh, to have with us, uh, Rav Yonaris, who is the Avvezdin of uh, Chicago Rabbinical Council. Uh, I, I've had the schus to have uh, yachas with Rabbi Ries. He's also uh, a, uh, the, uh, one of the Rashivas in Yeshiva, Rabbeinu Yeshiva Yitzchol Honan, and Skan uh, Avbezdin of the Bezdin of America. And Rabbi Ries uh, uh, has had uh, interactions with, of course, with the Goyna Niftel uh, in his role as the, in, in the Bezdin. Um, and then as far as will be sharing with us Divrei Harocha, Divrei Hayroz, Rabbi Ries, thank you again for making yourself available for us. Thank you, Rabbi Kavalevitz. And so really it's for me to um, to speak about uh, the great Gona Nifter of Natur Greenblatt, Zeicha Sadika Levacha. I was privileged uh, to interact uh, over the past quarter century with uh, Rav Nata on many occasions, the first couple of years, that I was involved at the Bez in America. His name was just this um, legendary, um, you know, name that was uh, something that was mentioned with respect to Dippin Haros when it came to Gittin and the like. And I would speak to him uh, on the phone from time to time, but I didn't have the discourse of meeting him until maybe the year 2002 or so, when I was um, in Atlanta uh, helping to uh, run a summer kolel and uh, he came at one point in time to, to write Gittin because he would travel, uh, as we know, all over North America to write Gittin. And, um, and I got to see him for the first time. And I remember that I was very struck really by three things. Number one, he was incredibly unassuming for somebody who was uh, really one of the, the Kedole Ador, uh, somebody who was a Gaon Olam, uh, the Taman Muvok of, of Moshe Feinstein from you know, way back when, um, who knew, you know, Kola Torah Kula, really. Uh, he just uh, presented himself in a, an extremely unpretentious uh, manner. The second thing was that he was no nonsense. He was just uh, went to, did his task, uh, went to work. It was not somebody who was easily um, distracted and uh, was not uh, somebody who uh, was interested in, uh, in small talk. Um, he was, uh, everything was uh, short and, uh, and to the point. If he needed to have a conversation to warm up uh, to a bow to get him to write again, that's a different story, but everything was very purposeful. And the third thing was uh, that he really seemed like he wasn't from this world. 
he didn't look like anybody else. He didn't sound like anybody else. He didn't have a style like anybody else. He seemed like he had been transplanted from a different generation, maybe even from a different century altogether. Um, it was like a Kaddish Baruch who plucked uh, somebody who uh, could have lived uh, alongside uh, the Vilna Gon uh, a couple of hundred years ago and uh, implanted him in um, 20th century uh, America uh, to um, serve a, a purpose of uh, preserving uh, the Kedusha of Mishpachos um, Yisrael, of enabling Gittin to be renewed. The things that he did it was unreal. A person to travel so much, constantly be in so many different places, you know, seemingly at the same time. Um, I remember I was once visiting Rochester because I had um, some sort of a, um, uh, a shear, something that I was giving in, in Rochester that I needed to be uh, there at the time and um, just uh, happened to, to walk into the base mandish. And there's one not the writing again. Uh, and um, it happened. I was actually able to be helpful uh, with respect to some issue that came up with respect to the get. I, I hoped that I, I was happy that uh, I had uh, been sent, you know, at the right time to be able to assist the Rabnata. But I was thinking afterwards, what were the chances that I would just, you know, show up in sort of this random location from my perspective? And uh, it's a small out-of-town community and Rabnata would be the writing it get. So I figured afterwards, you know, probably about 50%, probably about 50%. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, that's the way it was with, uh, with Rabnata. Over the years, uh, I, I had the, the opportunity to ask him a lot of Shilohs uh, when it came to um, different issues in, in Gittin, in, in Geras, a whole host of Aguna issues that came up. Um, we were able to consult with Ramnata. I have two written shuvos that we received over the years from, uh, from Ramnata. One, he actually printed in my Sefer when I, when I published a Sefer several years ago, Kanfayona. I asked, I, I had the temerity. To ask Ramnata for uh, Haskama, and uh, he was very nice. He, he actually was impressed because I gave him the, the safe with all the different articles. Everything had a tab in it, so you could see what you're up to. You know, with respect, you want to look at a different article, you go to a different tab. He loved the fact that it was so organized. I remember he was just uh, so impressed that, so, that, that thing, things should be neat and organized. It meant uh, it meant a lot to him, and um, and he wrote uh, a Haskama for me. And uh, one of the um, uh, one of the simonim in my sefer, I spoke about the issue, which is a very hot contemporary issue of Sroral Uh So he offered uh, just uh, his Chavis um, on the subject, and he wrote about how Ama that, uh, the, that uh, the way that uh, the Torah defines roles of men and women is the way that the world is supposed to run. And so Kodesh Baruch who used the, the Torah as the blueprint of the world. So you have to look at the Torah. So he said, it's very clear. The Torah is telling us that there are separate roles, that the whole idea of the, the feminist movement to break down uh, the barriers and break down the roles. He says it, it's against, the, it's not just, it's against the way that the, the Torah defines the roles. It's the, against the way that the, that the world was meant to run. Because he said, that you look at the Torah, that, that tells you, and this tells you a lot about Rav Nutter's perspective towards the universe as well. He said that the, that the world is supposed to run the way that it's defined according to the Torah. This may, you know, explain why he didn't blink uh, an eyelash when it came to uh, traveling all over the place to do the Ratzon HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He understood that whatever the Torah says needs to be done. If there's a task that the Makam Sheinish, Ishtadu Liyosish, and he needs to do it. Uh, so, you know, you don't think about, oh, this doesn't make sense how Pete ever that a man in his 80s is still, you know, running around um, taking, you know, six uh, different flights, you know, every single week uh, to go to different places and right get to. So that's, that's, that's the way the world is supposed to run. It's the way that he understood every single issue. That, that's the lens to which he approached every issue. When we had in the aftermath of 9-11. So we had, uh, unfortunately, a number of uh, Aguna cases that arose for men who were missing because they were working in the Twin Tower buildings and their remains could not be identified. 
And uh, we had to do the type of research that the Gemara and the Postkim, the Shulchan Aruch, Eminesis, Simon Yudzayan, and so forth, uh, talk about uh, in terms of figuring out what evidence you can rely upon, what type of woundedness can you rely upon, what's considered Mayim Sheishlam Sof, Mayim Sheinlam Sof, et cetera, et cetera. We were able to resolve the vast majority of the cases. We, we had both Gedayud of Shwarzatzal, of course, who regularly consulted um, with, uh, with Ramnata, um, had written a number of chuvas on the subject, but we wanted to. Um, Rav Gadai also they wanted to have uh, the uh, the the um, uh, consent of other uh, leading uh, gedolim. This were uh, the chuvas of tremendous import to be matir matir and aguna. The minog Yisrael is that you have um, a number of different poskim who come together and they all assent to each other's uh, views. So we had a chuva by Rav Zalman Nechemia. In this particular case, it was a man who worked in the south of tower, which was the one that uh, was uh, the last one to fall. And when it was hit by a plane, the plane hit it in a zigzag kind of way where there was still one staircase that remained passable. So you couldn't say that just because you knew that somebody was in the building in a place where they could have been killed or would likely have been killed, that you can say that they definitely, as a certainty, um, had been killed. And this person was not identified in any way, not even through DNA. Um, so we didn't have uh, the standard of forms of umdenus to rely upon in addition to the fact and we did know that he was in the building and people saw him in the building. In fact, he was standing outside the elevator bank shortly before the last elevator uh, left uh, that uh, was able to leave the building. And people had seen him standing at the elevator bank. But that wasn't enough to issue a definitive ruling. So the other post said, we, we need one more major post So three years, this shuva was written in Elul Tafshin Samach Dalit. Three years after the World Trade Center tragedy, Avnato wrote his shuva to us. Avnato spoke about how nowadays you're able to rely much more on the, the notion um, that Nebat Zichro, um, like Revelyezim Mivodon, speaks about at a certain point in time, if you knew that uh, the man wasn't looking to escape his wife and you're not able to find him and that nobody can identify his whereabouts, so that also can be taken into, into the equation as sort of an additional level of probability uh, to be Matzio the Agun. He says, especially nowadays, that you can't even deposit or take money out of a bank without giving your social security number. He said, if a person wanted to disappear, they can't do it anymore because of the fact that and he said here, the government also was searching very, very hard to locate every single person because it had an effect with respect to benefits that they needed to supply and so forth. So he said that nowadays that, that you have almost like a, this um, a tag uh, that is placed on every single person that to track them down, that even if they would go to some sort of remote desert island, um, that there is uh, uh, much more of an umduna. He said, he quoted the Tosas and Shruas, that even for Dine Nefoshos, to put someone to death, you can sometimes rely on umduna. So he said, even though the Rambam disagrees with that Tosas and, and Shruas, maybe that's only when it comes to the Xeris Akasov of capital punishment. But for something um, uh, like being Matsu and Agun, he said, it's certainly better than Mayim Sheinla himself. And he felt you could be Matsu on, um, on that benefit. And he also had a very creative Svara about how since they were uh, searching the area so thoroughly, and we knew that the person was there in the World Trade Center, it's almost as if there was a home up. There was some sort of like a wall around that general area. He seemed to be making an argument that it was almost like he created a Mayim Shiesh himself, a type of uh, situation. So he said, so he felt based on all of those umdunas, you could be matzid and agunam. That was the last shuva that uh, we had because this, this, was, this was the last outstanding case. It took us three years until we were matzid that particular agunam. And his shuva was the... Uh, About um, sort of, you know, what Rav Notas Rebbe did, Rav Moshe, you know, being able to 
be, no one was more, Rav Moshe, they said the same thing, Chaim uh, Moser said that Rav Moshe was from a different door, Rav Moshe's machshava was from a, a, a different veld, and yet no one had more of a tvisa on how to use the modern world, lahalocha than, than Rav Moshe, and you hear see Rav Nata sort of doing the same thing in terms of, uh, we know Rav Moshe's hayro on, on Chol of Yisrael and Chol of Stam, the, the, the fact that the government, the fact, the, the the reality of the situation in front of us, all of those things were you play into Rav Nata's psak. That <laughs> this is, a, you know, it's 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 like as you say, from a different veld, but yet the tefis of this veld seems to be um, perfect in a way of being able to advance uh, advance halachic r- rationale and reasoning, right? Absolutely. He was, you know, from a different door, but, you know, extremely appropriate, you know, door, 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 door shelf. He was um, <laughs> obviously a punished Lafia door. He was sent here by Kodesh Baruch to take care of, you know, the needs of this generation to understand the sensibilities of it. He could relate to anybody. He could relate to anybody and um, and everybody. And that's how he was able to go to the most uh, remote regions, you know, of uh, North America. To do uh, to do gittin and to convince people to to do gittin uh, to preserve you know uh, Taras uh, Yisrael, um, so I, I think that um, he was really um, I would say a matana, a matana you know obviously for his family, a matana for for all of Klai Yisrael, a matana for Makadosh Baruch Hu. Um, it was very interesting. Once he's very rarely needed to be in New York. Was New York you, you had regular batitim, but every now and then he'd have a case where you know the, the, the woman was in New York. Somehow he did the get in some remote region. He needed to be the shliach. So once he, we found him in New York, I brought him. At that time, I was serving as the menayim of Yeshua Torbeni I did that for a five-year stint, and um, and I brought him in, and we had conversations with him in the office. I remember at that point in time. We were struggling at the Bezdin over the issue of whether a ger can be a dayan dayanim uh, had been a ger, and they didn't know that they should think about it and it's an issue, but we know it's a very serious issue about, you know, to what degree a ger can or cannot be a dayan, a hosugi in, uh, in Sanhedrin, Yibamos, you know, elsewhere. And um, it's, it turned out it's a little bit of a machlokas haposkim, Rav Gedalia Felder. And Achlas Tzvi says, well, ger donis chaveru ha-ger. So therefore, that's essentially what's going on. You have one ger judging another ger. It's okay. So therefore, to serve as a dayanah for a bezin that's going to convert somebody to become a ger, felt that would be okay as well. Felt is also, the gerus is more similar to dine mamnes than dine nefashos. He had a whole chiddush for and there's more room to be made for dine mamnes than dine nefashos. Um, but others were not so sanguine. They pointed to a sugi in the Gemara and Kedushin that it's not so easy to do geiris miyema the misdaki be who says you're going to find three dayanim and Rashi makes some sort of a comment to Israel that they have to be Jewish and the Israel we know in the Gemara and Yuvamus means you have to be Jewish from birth so someone would die from that Rashi maybe you have to be Jewish from birth and there are different svaros this way that way the other way but we have to figure out what to do. And uh, the chatzchila, but the evidence, so forth. Since that time, Ravavaya Yosef, um, they they they, uh, they found a short shuva that he wrote in which he said, "But the evidence, if only one member of the bezin is a ger, so but the evidence, the geris is good." The Ereschem Institute now published the first day he said, but the evidence is good. Now they revised their psaka, they decided the chatzchila is good. Hmm. <laughs> a lot of a lot of different in, interesting psakim on this particular issue. But we wanted to hear of Nata's chavista. So Michal and I were in the office. I remember. On the fifth floor of uh, the the Glock Center at YU, and we're meeting with Rav Nata, and uh, we asked the Shiloh of Nata, and Rav Nata said, "I'll answer you, but on one condition." So we said, "What's that?" He said, "You have to follow what I say." 
He said, yeah. I, 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 he said, you have to follow what I say. You have, you, you have, you have to follow him. If, if you're going to, you know, listen to my psaki, you're not going to follow. I'm not, I'm not going to bother to give up psaki. You, you have to tell me you're going to follow what I say, yes or no. So he said that, that, that there, should, there should be a, 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 a submission to Dastova, whatever it is. So he said, we submit to Dastova, whatever you say, yes or no. So he said, I think the evidence is good. So he said, oh, okay. <laughs> so only the evidence. But uh, but with they should be machmir if they could in the bezdin figurus to have a non gear. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and that's our policy. That's our policy that we tell people if they're gear they, that we don't we don't appoint them as because now we have dayan kavuim, you know, because we have a GPS in, uh, system of uh, bate din and uh, every single dayan has to be better and so forth. But that's uh, that's one of the conditions. So you, so you, you don't uh, enter into a suffolk uh, territory. We're into a uh, Machlokis uh, territory. Rav Yashiv also uh, thought it was Sveika uh, Ladina uh, with respect to this particular issue, um, uh, which is uh, a more right. and, uh, and as you know, it's a, and, and, right. And you also, you know, you also skirt the issue of Aino Sager, especially if the if the Gerd Sedek involved, who's a Dayan, is a Talmud Chacham. You want it to be glat. You want it to be glat, one hundred percent, right? But, well. Number one, you want it to be glot, so therefore the one who's converting, you don't want there to be any questions. But yes, somebody who's a gear, you, you, you don't want to put, to put them in the position where they're, they're going uh, to, to have to feel uh, like um, that they're being uh, compromised or, or questioned or diminished in any way. Right. So therefore, it's best to set up you know, appropriate protocols uh, ahead of time, 100, uh, 100%. There, there shouldn't be NIFCA. I, I would say, again, you know, just shooting from the hip, I'm probably going to edit this out, but Chazal says, Shuchasayu Kavdinen by Geirus. So it's mashma that it's more than just tam dini momenis. In other words, tam dini momenis, you don't need shulchasai because it's, it's posh that you have to have a massive amatan between people. So it's posh that you have to have dayonim. Mashenke in here, it sounds like shulchasai, that it's like part of the tafkid of Bezdin Agodal. And, and therefore, it sounds like the, the dargas don't say, well, gabi dini momenis, that, oh, we're doing the, in chutzlords, even though we don't have, we don't have mumchem and we don't have smicha that we're doing their shlichas because they need it to happen, right? We, because it's Pasha, but in a moment is it's Pasha that the dark is less because you have a you have the you have you have the Kabbalah of, of each side and therefore you don't necessarily you could have a ger don don is chaveroi when it's talking about something like becoming part of Kali Yisrael maybe that's something which is a little bit of a higher dark I don't know. Yeah, well, Shachta makes that suggestion. If you look in the uh, the Sefer Ginas Egos, he talks about this. He makes a similar suggestion. All right. Yeah. Bar- Bar- so, and uh, he couldn't uh, take care of the Gairis anymore in, in Memphis, his own hometown. He called me up to give me a bracha that uh, I should deal with the Gairis in Memphis. And uh, since that time, I've been doing that. I travel from time to time to Memphis. I meet with the Rabbanim there, I meet with the candidates. And, you know, Baruch Hashem, that's, that's been a uh, tremendous suchus to do the shlichus of Rabbanata. You can't think of, you know, a higher, you know, type of privilege than to be given that type of responsibility by Rabbanata himself. So I guess we could say that in, in some way, you know, as we approach the Shleishim, that Anan uh, we could be Mamshech in some ways, and to and, and to be, and to be uh, it's uh, it's a big achrayas. But uh, I know Rav Nota, as you said, he understood as he was slowing down that this was something he needed. It must have been around I don't know twelve, thirteen years ago, something like that. Uh, so I asked him to give a shear to the Kolo while he was here. Why not give a shear? I, I don't think it's recorded anywhere because there was some issue with the recording. But I remember that in the course of the shear that uh, that he gave, 
He, um, he was talking about a Kedas Yislav. He just thought he was talking about other things too, Kabanos, Kachim, but towards the end, I think he, he mentioned just a word and a Kedas Yislav. He said, most people don't understand uh, what is uh, the fundamental message. You know, but Kedas Yislav, he said, he thinks that the fundamental message is really one of Chinuch. One of Chinuch. He said that, that what was it that Abba Mavina was prepared to do? He was prepared to sacrifice his son. You figure, what kind of a Chinuch is that? He said, it's the best Chinuch. So the child sees uh, that his uh, devotion so Kaddish Baruch Hu is so great that he would even um, sacrifice the child in order to fulfill Hashem's will. So that teaches the child the, the greatness and the importance of uh, serving his creator. When he sees that amount of mysterious nefesh that his own father is prepared to give him up, you know, for the sake of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, there's no greater chinuch than that. And he said that, that this is really true of what he experienced in his own life. When he went out to Memphis, he felt that was a Kedus Yitzchak. Because he was sent there, it was a mission, his Rebbe, Raboshe, gave him the blessings, he should build a community in Memphis, he said it was a wasteland. There were no chinuch resources, uh, Talmud Torah, day school, to be able to raise his uh, sons, to be able to raise his, uh, his children uh, properly. Um, he had to uh, just uh, make do with uh, very, very little in terms of the education that he could provide uh, with his children. So he basically was giving up giving up uh, a proper education, giving up a proper atmosphere, uh, a, a proper strong uh, Torah uh, environment for the sake of doing the Ratzon Kodesh Baruch He said he felt that was the best chinuch. That was the best chinuch he could have given over to his children. They was forfeiting the ability to provide a proper chinuch in order to do the Ratzon Hashem. He said that was the best chinuch. And he said that's what he learned from Akedah Yitzchak. Unbelievably powerful message. And I would just add to that, that if you take a look at his Bechor, David, is there any bigger uh, uh, fear for Klau Yisrael being involved in, in, in Chinuch, Tzedakah, Chesed? You have a, it was Taka Neskayim, and you have to Taka know who your children are, but Rav David Greenblatt is, is a Nasi Yisrael in terms of what he does um, to help promote all aspects of of of, 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 the, of the kehillah, really, with Shemla Teferis and uh, his other son Yanko, as you know, is a is a rizik a machadish, and you, you know Yanko, of course, as well. So mm-hmm. Rav Nota was uh, and Yoelik also really a, a, a wonderful a wonderful bentayra. So we're going to uh, obviously, I think that uh, the, the halal is so great that you know we we you know. Our, my other shared Rebbe, um, and we spoke about it in the same way that when these the Banisham gave them such a rifas yomim, but that's really a big machayev um, for us to to try to be medama ourselves in some way uh, to their derachapsak and to try to to work and, and, and understand them and, and and try to be mashum nechsarin as best we can. And I know that um, you know the, the type of idud and chizuk that Rav Nota gave you. Um, it's an encouragement, right, to go with his sort of tkifus. Bring in someone who had pilpul with Rav Nota, who had a yachas godu with Rav Nota, uh, someone that Rav Nota was marich, someone that Rav Nota was worked with yachad in, in the OU. Uh, and, and, and it's Rav Nota's chus that he picked up, he picked up a cold call for me uh, and, and, and agreed right away to be masbid. Uh, Rav Menachem can actually to the Rav Shemri Amuna and the CEO of the OU, Rabbi Ganak. That makes Rav Nutter so remarkable. Um, one, you hear it, Daddy? I'm going to try to speak about both. One was his extraordinary chesed, and the other was his, his tremendous avastora, mm-hmm. and that he was 
first rate Lamdin and Tamid Chacham, really one of the Gdali Yisrael. So when I was at, when I went to Menachem Ovel, so not the son David told the story and it was different variations in different contexts. The story appeared over and over again. The story that he told was that Rabnata was trying to get a get from the, from the recalcitrant husband. And, um, and he's somehow they cajoled him to come to the shul. They'd greet at a certain time when the get would be given, get given and the aid were present. Um, come at eight o'clock. Lo and behold, he doesn't show up. And not to call him. Finally, after many conversations over the course of the night, they stayed up. Oh, that's crazy. And um, they stayed. They stayed up, and in the morning, he came. Finally, this this husband came and gave the get. So that same day, Reb Nutter was going. He was visiting a plant for the OU, um, a Humco plant, and he picked up Rabbi Rosenberg, um, the head of the OU. And Rabbi Rosenberg looked, said he, he looked so tired and disheveled. He, he asked him what happened. So he told him the story that he went through, you know, went through the night without sleep, waiting for this guy. And he said, so Rabbi Rosenberg said, please stop the car. I want to get up for you. Stand up for you. The story doesn't end. Approximately 30 years later, but not just gone to some place to be, to do a bris. And the father of the baby says, you know, 30 years ago, or whatever, how many years ago it was, you, a little bit more, you arranged a get for my mother. That was this, this is the child for that, uh, that woman who finally got a get. Um, I just got off the phone literally a few minutes ago with uh, the Michael Feinstein's son. Um, and David Feinstein, and he told me this story that he had that he had heard. I, I think from the, from Reb Nutter, he said that he once tried to get a get from a person, this man, and he only agreed to give the get. Finally, it was in some forsaken place, Erev Yom Kippur. Reb Nutter was there. Of course, it meant he had to give up his Yom Kippur. There was no davening. There was no shliach tzibur. But Reb Nutter said that that. Yom Kippur, he said, the best Kedushim he ever said. Um, this story repeats itself in so many different contexts. As I said, I'll just give you one more. Rabbi Elfin told me that Rabnata once told him that he had gone to Chile to be Megaya of a woman. Um, and she came from a religious Catholic family. And she, you know, when he saw her, he saw that she was a little, you know, a little depressed because her family was adamantly against this conversion. And, but she wanted to absolutely want to go through with it. So not to say, listen, I want you to do this. We talk simcha with joy. She said, I'm not going to do the conversion now. I'm going to come back. And indeed, that's what he did. Came back as often he did on his own dime. And when she had called it another time and said, no, please, please, I want to do this, gave us. 
He had everything arranged, you know, the Besden and so on. And he came back to do the Gerus. So that's one dimension of Rabnata. And it's just extraordinary. I remember when I first came to the U. So Nissan Alpert, Tzichon Levrocha, told me that there's somebody who's going to be working at the OU who was with Moshe's Talmud Mufek. I said, who is that? He said, not the Greenblatt. And I never, I never shared that story with Rabnata until several years ago, must be about five, six years ago, we had a some, uh, meeting in my office um, and Rabnata was one of the speakers. Um, it was a group of different cautious agencies. And I told Rabnata that story, what Michal said. So Rabnata said, he's, he's, of course, you know that that's not true. Rabnissa was his Talmud Mufik. But the truth is, of course, that they both were. And, um, and you know, the relationship that Rabnata had with, you know, the, some of his rabbeim and how much he absorbed from them. Of course, primarily with Moshe, um, who he, he absorbed his Derech Bahorah, which one of the things about Ramosha was his concern for others in the Horah as well. And also, it wasn't, you know, the different kinds of Balai Horah. Some people, you know, they'll quote, you know, well, Kimmagodim says this and this. And that, that wasn't Ramosha. But Ramosha was a lamb. In, the, in, in, the, in every tshuva, there's your soul, there's lumbus um, and courage. And uh, that was with Moshe. And that was with Nata also in his approach. His story, that when they were together, I think it was in Boston, that they would learn, with Nata and Remich would learn till the early hours of the morning. And then, um, 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 then, the Nutter would, by that time, they'd get the newspaper and the Nutter would translate uh, from the English to the Yiddish so the Michal could understand the headlines in the, in the newspaper. Um, and, and that close relationship persisted for the, for the rest of, uh, of the Michal's life and the commitment and, and Ava forever. And um, the, the, in Nutter's wonderful Sefer Kireach Sada, so Reb Michal writes um, about that period in Boston. B'shnas Toshim Beis Hayisi b'Boston im Chabur shel Bachurim mitzuyanim b'Torah shemati shir b'fneim v'atzash v'atzoyir shebehem hayaharava going hanelah Reb Nata Greenblatt v'hayeli az la'ezer benisuch ma'im shenitpos achakach biyachon hapartis. So Reb Nata. In one of the Masora magazines, speaking about that episode in his life when he was learning by the love, by Rabbi Shabir, the coil that he had in Boston is called Hechel Reb Chaim. So, so Reb Nutter says, speaks about, he says that, um, that his Reb David told him, Reb David um, Leibowitz told him that there are different, there are lots of, you know, big lumdim, but he said, Rabbi Shabir, Rabbi Shabir is going. It's a category by itself. Um, and that's what Nutzer speaks about in that, uh, you know, in, the, in that Hesper that he wrote. So it's, it's so extraordinarily beautiful. I, I shared it with, um, I think it was Simcha, Simcha Soloveitchik, um, 
about a month ago, and he said it just made his day. It only with Nutov could have written the Kishrin and the way he wrote it and so on. But that quality of being special, unique, and different, a category by himself, that was Rabnata. In his commitment for Klai Yisrael, in his love of Eretz Yisrael, of, uh, in his love of, 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 of the Jewish people, and his Messias Nefesh for them, was really so extraordinary. Um, um, And in his Akdoma to his Sefer, you see how, you know, the sense of responsibility that he has. He speaks about how he wanted to go over it again and that we should Kavanaki. You know, those were the qualities. And it's just a uh, Sefer and Chumash, it's just extraordinary. Of, you know, Renata was this fusion of a really superior intellect with an extraordinary heart, concern, integrity. It was just. It's not something that you that stand him. It really he was the, the, the as he speaks about it in his Akdama, you know, the, the, the tremendous erosion of the Jewish population through intermarriage and uh, you know and assimilation. That you know, there's so much to be done. But you said it wasn't just you know, it wasn't just the yeshiva. So this it was that sense of responsibility for the for the whole klaisol for the general community that marked him and, and his high standards, his love, his commitment. And he was really, as I said, a class in himself, as he, went, as he wrote about from Yoshebeer. He was a going, a category by itself. And that's why he's, his loss is, is, is so terribly you know, felt by so many people. But he left a very, very rich legacy in his wonderful family. Seeing the Akdome, he thanks Yanko for looking over it and, getting it done when he was in SSR for a short Kufa, and all his children, each one in their own way, remarkable. Um, so, and that which he taught and all his Talmidim, the standards that he set in every area. You know, Rebnata was one of those rare people that Salvechik used to call those who know, maybe used to use the expression, the realia. But he knew the realia, you know, whether it be Mila, Shrita, or, or Gitna, Dayanis, all the Chelke Yatova, both the Lamdis, the, the, the Psakalocha, and the ultimate implementation. So, so rare, so extraordinary. He really leaves a vacuum. There is really no one, literally no one like him. Rabbonim from Houston, that I have, again, you know, <laughs> my good friend Rabbi Pukko says every Maspid is, always talks about himself. Uh, all I can introduce introducing, I'm not the master, I'm just the moderator, but I can tell you that these two Rabbonim uh, reflect Rav Nota's chesed because they were from the two Chevra uh, who were in the car of me when I was in Houston uh, as a single rabbi. I mean, my family was away. Both of them were a Mokam Miklat for Torah and Rav Nota at Oiske Kuben Ganskut. He knew when he was coming to Houston, he had a nose for who was talent, who would be able to be mamshech, his avoida. So I want to give over to Rabbi Yossi Grossman, Rabbi Yaakov Nagel. Rabbi Yossi is the, uh, the head of the Jewish Ethics Institute, I believe. One of the directors. Did I get that right? Yes. Yes, all right. <laughs> and Rabbi Yaakov, I'm very happy uh, to, to is, is, is the rov of the Hamish, Kehilas Hamish, 
in Houston, which I hope is going to be a dogma for the type of kibbutz throughout Klal Yisrael that can take on the, the great love of Chassidus and, and Avodis Hashem and Islavus with the halachic strictures of, 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 of the, of the, of the, of the Shevelt and the and it seems to me a wonderful fusion, and they have a wonderful leader in Rav Yaakov. Rav Yaakov and Rav Yosef, please, the phone is... Um, Rabbi Ganak's nicer that he said over, which is being said, it's, I know it's, it's a mishpacha this week, there's a lot of uh, it's, that's the nicer that I get. So I want to just correct, uh, I heard it from him, not directly, so I'm going to give some details that, that are not being said over, and it's being said over wrongly. So, so first of all, Rabbi Ganak, um, so the... the it started off once, I'll tell you how it happened. So Renata told me the story. I, there was a, someone is actually a speaker from the OU here in Houston, and he was uh, for Shabbaton. He was talking about Cassius in America, and he said the founder of Cassius in America is Renata Greenblatt and Rabbi Goldswag. He was talking about the original founders, and he said over that story of that visit to that plant. So, so it, was, it was right before Pesach. I think it was a Shabbat before Pesach. I called Renata, um, for the Shaila, Erev Pesach, it's not a good time to call a, to call a rub, but uh, but you have to call. So I called. It was early. It was in the morning, and of course my wife screaming in the background. You know, hurry up already, get off the phone. So not to, so I told him not to. We just had a speaker from the OU. He said not the Greenblatt is the founder of Cashers in America. So I said, is it true? So he said he said yeah. I'll tell you the Mesa. I was on the phone for an hour and a half. I almost needed a get at the end of the phone call. My wife Eric Pesach um, to to be on the phone, but. Uh, Basically, he said over the story, just get a little more detail. I'm not going to say repeat the whole story, but th- that story was a it was a, about getting to it was a woman in the Scranton area who didn't receive a get for 13 years. So he said, "I'll tell you the story of how he went to that plant." And he said over Rabbi Rosenberg, he said his name was. He said it was a chash for European Sharav who they, the OU sent down. You muted, Rosen. Alexander Rosenberg. Yeah, yeah. So he said anyway. Long story. They they called him. That night, Rabbi Rose, he was staying in a hotel. He had to pick him up. He picked him up from the airport or not. He brought him to his hotel. And the next morning, he was going to go to the plant together. So he had the whole story at night with his get. 13 years, he said, the woman didn't receive a get. And uh, he called him. The guy was delayed. He was the supervisor in a, sushi, in a shoe store. He was the manager. So until he got there, the Aiden came in the middle of the night in the pajamas. And uh, finally, in the morning, he said he finished the get around five o'clock, and he went straight to the hotel to pick up uh, this this rav to go to the plant. And then he says they picked him up. So the rav said the story that he the not to tell me was not that he besides stopping the car, the rav said he wants to deliver it personally to Scranton because it's such a schus. He wants to take part of the in the schus. Says that schus yet? So first, not to tell me at the time. So, so then he says it was sent to Scranton. It was given over in Scranton by this rav. But the Rashivas, everyone heard about it. So they, uh, he said that uh, they told him, whenever you come to Scranton, you'll give a share in the yeshiva. We want to help you. We'll give you bachram for Edom. So he said, first of all, he got two weeks after the mice, he got a letter from this woman. Um, and he said, Kazen the Trer in the letter. He said the letter was full of tears. He saw this woman wrote him a three page letter thanking him after 13 years being, you know, getting, finally getting a get. So he said, that right away, I went to the Hever Kaddisha in Memphis. I said, this is my ticket to Ghanaian in this letter. Normally, Tachrichim don't have uh, packets, but this is going in my, my Tachrichim. He says, making packets. So I, felt, I, you know, I don't know what happened at the end. I didn't uh, speak to the Mishpacha, but he said right away, the Hever Kaddisha, he told him, this, is, this needs to be my Tachrichim in the packet. We're making a packet in my Tachrichim. And then he said, 20 years later, like he said, he, he went to Yeshiva in Scranton. He was in Yeshiva. 
He didn't tell me it was a bris. He told me he was in the bathroom in, in Yeshiva in Scranton. And this boy's looking at him in the bathroom. He's looking at him. Finally, the boy comes over to him and he tells him, uh, he says, uh, you know, this is, you know, you gave a get to my mother, 20, 20, whatever it was, 20 years ago. I'm a, and I'm her only son from that. So Ramnata said, I was biting my lip. I wanted to start crying. He's very, as we know, Ramnata was always, uh, was very murgish. He was a, uh, so Balhagish, you know, he cried by Kamat by I would say 50% of the Gitten. He's doing Gitten for 74 years. He would cry by many of the Gitten still. Mom is crying. I mean, I will tell you stories soon. But, but anyways, he says this Bach told him, so he said, send, send my regards to your mother. You know, send my regards. I remember her. So uh, the Bach said she actually I just finished saying Kaddish last week. This is not to tell. So this is already, this is 40 minutes into the mice. I'm, I'm keeping out all the Pratim, but so then Ramnata says, the story's not over. He keeps on saying, the story's not over. Grossman, the story's not over. Anyway, finally, he says, at the end of the story, this is what Ramnata told me. He says, Grossman, what's the lesson? The story's not over yet. What's the lesson from the story? It's Erev Pesach. My wife is screaming in the background. No lessons in Erev Pesach. But he says, Grossman, I'm going to tell you the lesson. The lesson is, he says, you don't give up. He said, this same guy who didn't give a get for 13 years, they called many Rabbanim. He was in another place. He was in a different city. They called the Rabbanim. The Rabbanim called him. He didn't show up. He forgot, you know, he came late. He didn't show up. They left. They left him. He said, I didn't give up. He said, I have a guy. This is what he tells me then. This was around 10 years ago. He says, I have a guy, St. Louis, who didn't give a get now for 11 years. Renata tells me, I call him once a month. I'm calling him now for seven years, once a month. Renata tells me. And he says, don't give up. In my lifetime, this guy's going to give a get. He said, I guarantee you. He says, the site is never to give up and, and always, always push. That was the that's that was my Arab Pesach story. <laughs> amazing, amazing. I, I I just want to capture also with some of the stories, the personality. He's he was a larger than life personality, Rav Nata, and I just want to have like a few little. It's not really mices, but it's so much like sort of to capture the uh, tremendous presence that he had when he walked into a room. So it was one time we were going to be the Edom for a get and. Uh, it was an Israeli fellow, very secular Israeli, but he's coming for a get, and he walks into to the shul, and um, and Rav Nata was coming soon. He was going to be there, so I said, "The rabbi will be here in a few minutes." I said, "Maybe you know, can I get you a kippah to put on?" He was came in bareheaded, so the he's the, the Israeli looked at me and he's like, "It's like I don't need it. What what kind of business?" So I said, okay, you know, I didn't want to push anything, you know, you don't want to mess around. So I sit down. Sure enough, Rav Nata walks in, and he walks in with Azad presence, and he right away looks at him and he says, Simki Paza Bitkinesit Po. And he's like, oh, so sorry. <laughs> Excuse me, please. He had a command, he had a tremendous like presence that uh, really is like with his humor and with all his personality, but he knew how to get things. He 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 knew how to he had such a control and a command, a self-respect that uh, automatically you had to listen to what he had to do. Yeah, He's, uh, yeah I'm saying there's many, you know, just to, on that note, there's another mice I'm remembering now. I had once a woman just, let's see, he always, like I said, he always felt much the tsar of the person. And uh, Imam saw, like, you know, the Mizbech is crying, or not to come out, I mean, you see, he would tell it over by the get. But you think you'd, someone's doing this for so many years, you know, you he, I was one actually so many years we once by a get. And if you remember this, and he asked the guy, What's your name? He says, Is your father from San Antonio? San Antonio? He says, Yeah. He says, I did your father's get, I did your grandfather's get. 
He was doing three diaries of Git. <laughs> you know, uh, that's uh, but but uh, there's one woman. One time there was a woman on this on this note. He's saying he you know he used to give you musa also in the get, but he knew how to do it. So woman came in totally fry. I mean, most of the get and obviously he did. That was his goddess. The reform conservative. Everyone used him. Everyone sent their get into in Houston. I can tell you, the reform rabbi actually uh, one of the reform rabbis was a Talmud from from Memphis Day School many years ago. So they send all the all the shuls there in the, the temples. Everyone sends a get into not Suffolk, Goyim, Gittin. So uh, there was one guy. Oh, so there's a lady who comes in and she starts saying, she's, you know, not the schmoozes with everyone. He tries to make them feel at ease. That was part of his his, his uh, personality and his godless. So this woman starts saying, you know, oh, we're his daughter. Your daughter's in college and UT. And and he says, yeah, rabbi, she's dating a non-Jew, tells the rabbi. So I'm not uh, lost it. I, I can't say what he said here, he, he started crying, and not the mamish started crying. When she, the woman told him not to, his daughter, her daughter's dating an Andrew, he starts crying. Mamish, Trevin, I'm not real crying. And uh, and I can't say uh, it's a family program, I can't say what he told her, but he said, Does she realize she's a Bas Yisrael? She's a Bas Melech, and she's dating a blank. I'm not going to use the, the Lashem, not to use the, he, he Mamish, he felt the Tsar. He saw every time he gave a get, and every time, and that was his. He, and he was able to give Musa in a way that uh, people uh, people heard him. Let's give a little bit of the background. You know, how how did it happen that uh, we decided we were, we were a small Kailo. There was like this idea of a term, Sarah Kailo, and there were four people total in the beginning when we first started. And um, and uh, Rav Natu used to come, uh, you know, once a month about something like that. And uh, he always needed aid him. And usually he had to take... Uh, People or rebeim in the schools or in the day school or balabatim who are from and it's always very difficult. And here he had young delight. He said, "Oh, the Ventura is the best." And he and he pulled us out of our sujay yeshiva. He says, "No, chas v'shom, I'll do, do it. Bein us, we'll schedule it. Bein us, There's no, um, no, not to worry. He's kapod uh, on our time. Uh, he was always so makbid in another halach uh, of like." You know, to pay the Edim, like we were embarrassed to take money. Uh, we knew that a lot of the Gitan that he did were, you know, losing money. Mo- he was losing money. He was on his dime. He's like, no, I insist. So, like, we were very uncomfortable with this. He said, let me tell you, that's going to be the most kosher money you ever get. <laughs> so, like, okay. In that, in that case, he always was worried about how, how we're going to manage and if we're okay, if we're doing okay financially, how's the kind of paying on time. He was always worried about us. But, but the thing is, is that what I don't think, here's something that's not really a high rub, but what I what I think is like this, is that his kayach of, when we were when we were in, in learning, people think that, okay, he had a yeshiva when he first, like, I don't know, he hit 86, they decided to open a yeshiva. Um, you know, great story. But you have to realize that he was a he had a yeshiva, it's just not in one place. It was uh Talmidim here, Talmidim there, all over in these little Darfalach, there were a few people who realized who he was, who he was the Rebbe. And he would come, it was like a Rosh Yeshiva, traveling Rosh Yeshiva, who gave a shear and gave a shear in this Archas Chaim. I still remember that one time he gave a shear in Brachas, and when he came, we he, you know, we organized it. And he decided to give the shear bivrit. Remember that? <laughs> it's like, this is It should be uh, uh, just the sensitivities. But the truth is, you know, uh, we, we're, uh, you know, sitting by a get, you know, like uh, you realize, and this is part of why we became enamored that we made it actually a limud 
is uh, you can see every get was a, was an entire Shaila Ushuva. It was a Shaila um, in the name, how to spell it, that you have to be really, you know, the Masunim Badin, you have to think it through. He would constantly say over afterwards, like, am I saying the name right? Am I hearing it correctly? Especially as he got older, it was harder for him to hear, and he was make sure that, I, that I'm saying it, am I telling it too correct? And then how to spell it. Besides for that, all the considerations of what to write, what not to write, um, where like, it, we, it's, it's an amazing thing that every guy, people think, oh, it's like a template. It's not a template. It's a, it's a she'elu tshuva. It's an entire tshuva. Each time there was a get, there was questions about um, what, the, you know, issues that might come up, you know, like how to put a name. I think you remember there was a psak that there was, there was a, a lady who came in and we couldn't put a, a, a mother's name. You remember that? There's a suffix. The reason why there's not so many heroes, even though Bianca was saying there was every get is a hirab, and you talk, you learn hirab from every miser, not uh, every action of his, every anhaga. But he told me once, he never, in, he's doing getting for 70, over 70 years. He never, in Houston at least, when we, we know him for 23 years in Houston, he never had a new child on a get. Any child that came up, he already had. Because he's been, he's been doing things that he had akpadas that other other he said in Nerti Israel they just they would forget they have a suffix about the original name he never used their Jewish name and they would not put it in they would just say the miskri and start off a name the miskri who was called he said he never liked it he said the person who has a shame kaidish that's the emes that's the truth and that emotion he said like even if they never use their Jewish name but it's a Jewish thing to get. And it has to be in there. And then he was uh, that was like a hakpod and halacha that he that gives you emotion of what he was. No, I, I, he was I just I said well, shouldn't make enough kamina where it, the fact that it was neveya from ahum. I mean lochayr if people called her that no no look you know <laughs> he he for him it was a chiddush yeah yeah that he never yeah he never oh, I'm but, saying when I'm not at a chiddush it was like a chiddush the Rosh Shiva. Not only in his later years, every time he would come to Houston, it would be it would be an opportunity to give shir to to the Talmidim Akshivim, and that's what I'm saying. It wasn't just Houston; it was Dallas. It was all these different communities. People took it as an opportunity. If they did, most people did appreciated the fact that uh, you're 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 in you're in, you're in, learning godless. You're, you're seeing godless up up close. And another amazing quality that I find that that, that uh, also doesn't it doesn't the stories haven't really captured fully is is his um, his uh, ability to hear uh, Talmud ask a question. He was way ahead of us, but if you ask something, he would uh, he would think it over. He would he would be mishtasheh with it. You know, sometimes they say like it is the way it is. You know, like and like you know. You know, don't make mishoga. Not with Reb Nata. Reb Nata always had that extra measure of like wanting to hear your question, wanting to understand your question. Even somebody was just sitting in, and you know, I remember my my shver once was sitting in on a get, and he and he's listening in to the the whole back and forth of like the the beginning of a get. We always uh, go through a protocol of each um, possibility. You know, maybe you made a damaging statement. So I deny the testimony of any witness um, who may one day testify. And like, it's like, and he was like, so my sure was asking, he's like, what's the valarichas? You know, like you make your last statement. What's up? And he's like, very good question. He was Mr. with it. He, I remember we found it in the Rosh, but it went through exactly 
all these are hakpadas that are coming from the Rishonim. This is like, a, um, and I also, Chapta now always, when he would give a get, he'd also give an, a Musr Shmuz to every Megarish. He says, you know, before the, the, the before giving a get, he would be Mater Neder. And he'd say, why me Mater Neder? So he would explain. He wouldn't like just uh, say, you know, this is the protocol, this is what we do, procedure, you know. He would explain. He said, sometimes you made an oral commitment. You said something. An oral commitment is a schaivos. It's something that you're obligated to do. And in a way that can be coercion. Uh, To me, every time he said that, he said it with such intent and such meaning that it was a musashmus that the person would hear. You know, something people talk, he says, and he would explain each time. Right, every get he would like go on and on and like it's like it's not like it's not like you have diarrhea of the mouth. It's not like you just say whatever you want. When you say something, it obligates you. It's a real obligation. These are like opportunities that he took to educate everybody, even the person who's a magarish. They're always elevated in that sense. That like it's like you have to have a value of the words that you say, things like that. And he said he was telling over a story about a certain uh, town. I'm not saying where it was, a different town. Hashem <laughs> wasn't used in, and he said. That um, he realized after after uh, that that he wrote the wrong city in the in the get. He travels from city to city, giving Eden, and he wrote the wrong city, and he had to like uh, go back to the city and rewrite it and everything. And I said, "How'd you catch it? You know, what I'm saying like you give, you know, you're writing it, you're giving it, you know, like it's." Uh... So he says, "Well, you know, I have a hard time falling asleep at night, so every night I go through everything I did that day from the morning to the night." And I, Cheshben, was that the right move? Was that correct? Was that incorrect? And he worked his way through the entire day. And he says, through that, I was able to find that I made a mistake and I wrote the wrong city. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's, that's what not. I wanted to finish off. Yeah. I don't know you're running out of time, but he's uneven. So he got in the car. So he said, Tzadik Balair. So this is, could be said as in other cities also. He goes, listen, Grossman, Tzadik Efsha, Abir Zichinish. It's for not a city. Tzadik, maybe. But uh, I want to also correct. Someone at Levi, I remember who it was, said over that he would, even though he, he was a Balshita and he had his Shitas, he didn't argue in Ramesh. I could tell you if you're looking for rice. I asked him once, uh, Shaila, and uh, it was, I remember what it was. It was a uh, Shaila about uh, a Kesem on nylon stockings on polyester. And uh, he told me his Psak, and then I said, so it's not like Gusmesha. Uh, Seems to say not like that. So he says, Oh, you mean Yana Chuva, you're there, Gimel. He, said, he quotes from the Chuva, right? He says, Spoke to Ramesha about that Chuva, and he, I told Ramesha, Svarish Tusim, he's masking to me, Svarish Tusim. Now, they had no problem when he held something, you know, the, what the Velt thought wasn't, uh, or even Ramesha, he was able to, to help and, and argue, even though it was his Rebbe. But if he's the Svara, he had it out with Ramesha, and he came to the conclusion. This, so someone said, Now, someone said they didn't argue by, with Ramesha. You know, at the Levi, I just want to correct that. Yeah. I think what he said was that when he was learning that Bederach Klav, Rav Moshe, was the default, although he dinked up with Rav Moshe and Svara, he said we're going to be macabre his hayra, the way he was doing things. But that doesn't mean that he was completely subservient to him. So, we have, you know, we have Rav Menachem is here and others are here. They could be made as far as that goes. I can tell you that Rav Moshe, that Rav Nota, in, in many of his, the Tzavim that are still yet to be printed, he's constantly referring to the Igris Moshe. So obviously that doesn't mean that it was a machriya shein kamoyu, but I think um, you know to him it was a default. And, yeah, another, I had it. Was no question. 
No, but you're right. You're right. Well, you didn't start this to do that. I think this is a good sock that my, other people need to know what you're saying about a Kesem on that. That's not called a uh, right. That 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 would be considered. No, he uh, thought it was. I think Amisha's math, if I remember. Amisha says because of the material. Yes, uh, it's not the Kabbaltuma, and and uh, I think I think I didn't look at the Jew in a long time. Uh, not the what held it was. It was still he didn't agree with the held it was too much. You would right, have to be yeah. Even Mugabe, even Mugabe, be Ma'akif for going yes. to the mikvah. That's a good, that's a fumer. Maybe that's the reason why we're not, we shouldn't be mafarsim. Um, so I, I, we want to end today. Shkoyach, Rabbonim, Chashuvim, to be Mamshach, Ashrech, Ashrechem. You know, I want to tell you just on a personal note, uh, it always bothered me. And I was in Houston for about a year and a half, and I would find out Rav Nota was in Shtot. And I would, it would, it would, I would call Rav Nota and say, you know, this is, you were in Shtot and you weren't by me. You, know, I, you didn't come. He says, I, I had who to be with. And now I understand why. He could be held. Uh, you, you were shut off in business with him. So you, <laughs> might, you might not be a kasher aid. For, <laughs> you <laughs> might have Nagiyas. I'll go about him. I'm happy that he was to, to be Mamchik, his derech, and Azag Speaking about uh, in a personal way, I want to, we want to miss him today um, with Ochi uh, Agodo, who I know we have many people that are here. I don't think anyone here that's on the Zoom was a Talmud as long as my brother, my older brother, Abistral Yeshaya. Uh, from the time he was, uh, I know he's somewhat sensitive on his age, but I know from the time he was 10 and 11 years old, uh, he was a Talmud from Rav Nota. He would walk 45 minutes on Shabbos uh, to learn with him. He was his Rebbe Moiri for over six decades um, and uh, has a perspective, I believe, that in, in many ways aligns to what you've heard from Rabbi Ganak and Rabbi Grossman and Rabbi Nagel, but it's really, I think, something which is uh, is Kedai as a divrei siyum and divrei yasiris. I want to, my, my older brother, Rabbi Yisrael Yishaya, Shlita, please. Very difficult to express my divrei harocha for my Rabbi Zetzal. I personally feel not worthy of evaluating and describing his godless and Torah and Midas, his innate halichas mannerisms which speak volumes of godless betoira and fleeting glimpses of a true god will be Israel. His immense knowledge in kola kula and his chlorkite in all matters of halacha, his seriousness and moira shamayim when he was being masadar get were physically palpable and visibly moving. And I was zoichet to be uh, aided by many given by him. My personal recollections of Mayavi Rabbi was one of a huge Talmud Chacham who took interest in a young boy who wanted to learn and gave him encouragement and confidence to strive for goals and was there when he needed support. And it was never beneath him to help any Jew who needed help without any fanfare or fearsome. And I'm sure that my experience being a Talmud and devotee of Mori Virabi are just drops in a bucket of other Toivus and Hazadim he did for countless other B'nai Torah and Achenu B'nai Yisrael. So you could say most of his Avodas HaKodesh was done under the radar and such as not to attract attention to him. And generally speaking, his whole Hanhoga was one of Hatznei Aleches, and shunning Pearson. I mean, a, a personal note that I'll tell you is that 
that I had some difficulty in, in the yeshiva, which he recommended that I go to. And he personally came. He, he, took, the, he took an airplane in the 60s, which was a big expense. And he came personally just for the purpose of speaking with people to making things to making things better for me because he was a balachrayas and whatever had to do with achrayas he took care of never never asking for a remuneration he did things because this was the right thing to do and i'm forever grateful for it now i i want to be messiah with a with a gemara and Zora and Afayim at base, it's a shtikalagadita, which I think, which I think uh, is appropriate. I'm sure that all the big Tamid Chachamim that are listening know this Gemara, so you don't need really me to explain it to you. But but these are my these are my thoughts. The Gemara says, "Omer b'yoichanim b'shum rabanoi, Ashreichem, worthy of you, Zari al kolmayim." That you're oskim b'toyr gemilas chasadim. That Rabbi Yochanan says that if you're oskim b'toyr gemilas chasadim, their yitzrom is moser lohem. In other words, they're in charge of their yitzur. Ve'ain ain masurim b'yad yitzrom. Rabbi Nato, my Rabbi Zatzal, he was oskim b'toyr wherever he was. So there was no Yitzhahara by him. He was he was in charge of his Yitzhar. And the Yitzhahara didn't pull him away. Ashrechem Zara Komayim. He he came to a place which was Mayim. He he made Mayim in an arid place of Memphis. Vainzriel at Sadaka. And he did Sadaka, he did Chesed with people. Shain Mayim El He did he brought Torah to Memphis. He established a Memphis Hebrew Academy. And he was Mishal Chiregel Ashor V'chamor. And Tony de Bellio says that a person should make himself to divrei Torah like Ashor, to take a, a yoke and a chamor to carry it. So in other words, he, he took an achrayas to teach Torah, to set an example for all of us. And, and I'm sure that my brother and Many people, myself, you know, if it wouldn't have been for for Moriverabi Zatzal, you know, we wouldn't look the way we are. We wouldn't have the Hashkofers the way we are. We wouldn't be. We wouldn't have a role model to strive for for godless and Torah, for godless and Midas. and and he was. He, he, he was a master and and he did what he had to do to, to plant stock of a chesed to do whatever was necessary for anyone in in Memphis or anywhere else that the world needed him and we should always have like a role model to look up to and to look up to see what a true what a true God will be Israel is and how we can emulate him and in our own little way to do a Nachas Ruach that is Neshama should have a Leah because we're following in his way. About the problems that you were experiencing 
he was on the plane the next day to come there and to and to be misadered in Yonim. How many people again? You you emphasize you underemphasize, and, and and I know because you don't want to talk about yourself, but Shtelzach for was this is. It's one thing to give eitzes to say what yeshivas you should go to, but then when there was a when Rav Nota was so uh, incensed by what was going on there, how we thought it was it was wrong, and he took a Christ for you, and, and, and he couldn't take it what he had heard. He gets on the plane to go speak to the Rosh Hashivas, the Rabbanim, the next day, in nineteen in nineteen sixty three. Not well, everybody you know, was getting I on. Don't, I don't even think he stayed the night. He did what he had to do, and he left right away. That was before all the frequent flyer miles that Ravnota was racking up. He had to, he went to the airport and paid and went there right away. Um, I want to just say one other thing that you told me, Shai, that you didn't mention that I think needs to be said. That when you went to Yeshiva and you were one of the uh, the, the first ever going to Yeshiva from Memphis, Ravnochamlansky, Agoyin Alotzim, Zaman Rafur Shleim, of course, and others who went. But you used to send uh, Ravnota Shtiklach Taira and and notes and Oh, you know, I, I should have. I should have wrote that. He he always he always uh, answered me, and he took the time to answer a fourteen-year-old kid who's writing, who's writing, uh, trying to do the best in Hebrew, and and he wrote, and he was me and he says, "I'm glad to see that you're learning becheshek." You know, he he made he made me feel like a million bucks. Just again, that's the achrayas of a godel who's. You're right. It doesn't make a difference who the letters coming from. He knew how important that was. Again, as, as Yossi said, the stories are still yet to come. The Torah is here. Mir Hashem, we have a platform. We're going to try to keep on being the Farsim, his Eros, and his Psalkim. And we invite everyone to be in contact with me and others, with Manus and others, as we as we continue his Torah. All right, that's it, Chavra. Uh, as we say, you know, as the Shloishim approaches, the Aliyah Tashama that Ravnota has, it will zikr, it will be an incredible, incredible Meyotzioshir for Unis and Klal Yisrael as we come to this. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.